you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you to take it and turn with us to the Gospel of Luke, the very first chapter in the Gospel of Luke. If you do not have a Bible, you're welcome to borrow one of the Bibles from the pew back in front of you. If you don't have a Bible at home, you're welcome to do more than borrow this Bible. Just take it home with you. We have other Bibles. We will replenish those Bibles. That is our gift to you. But if you are accessing through your phone or an iPad or if you're following along on the screen, however you're accessing the word of the Lord, I would ask if you would do the honor of standing out of reverence for the public reading of God's holy word. So if you're physically able, would you please stand? We will read Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 25. When we have completed, I will say this is the word of the Lord. I encourage you to respond with the words, thanks be to God. Let's look now together at Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. The word of the Lord says, In the days of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he, and his, he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren. And both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. And fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. To make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I, I am an old man and my wife has advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Would you bow with me as we pray once more? Father, we have already had a wonderful service thus far today, but we would be remiss if we did not take the opportunity to glean from your word a message of hope, to see the gospel as you have presented it in your holy and sacred 
word. And so, Father, in the short moments that we have, I ask that you would speak in spite of a foolish and frail servant. Lord, that your words would go forth and that we, as a church, that we might be convicted, that we might be challenged, we might be comforted, we might be encouraged. Father, we ask that you would do this by the power of your Spirit through your holy and perfect word. We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Luke begins his book with a narrative of the gospel that is one of the most in-depth narratives of the birth of Jesus that we get. He actually starts back with John the Baptist. And so what we see beginning in verse 5 are the circumstances surrounding the birth of John the Baptist. And so we see in this passage people who are going through the motions of what Jesus has told them throughout history of how to serve him and honor him. But in reality, since the prophet Malachi, there have been 400 years with no prophet. 400 years without anyone standing up and saying, thus saith the Lord. 400 years of God not speaking specifically to one person to deliver his message to the people of Israel. To say that they're in a spiritual drought is an understatement. They are desperate to hear from God. And what we have just read in these 20 verses, from verse 5 to verse 25, is God's first time to speak by way of his angels in over 400 years. You see, they had divisions of priests. And the priests were divided up almost in platoons in these various divisions. And so in this particular division in which... Zechariah finds himself, he is underneath the division of Abijah. And so he provides service in the temple, and there are 24 total divisions. It just happens to be his division's turn. And they cast lots in a way to figure out who would go into the temple, who would serve in the temple. And Zechariah's lot came up, and so he gets to go into the Holy of Holies to serve in the temple. And as he's in there, Gabriel appears him. And you notice all this conversation is happening and it takes a long time. But don't forget, we've talked about it before when we went through the book of Hebrews. When you went into the Holy of Holies, they strapped a bunch of bells on you. Because if you went into the Holy of Holies and you were not like Zechariah, who this passage describes as righteous and blameless in the sight of the Lord, following the laws and offering the sacrifices for his sins, If you were not blameless before the Lord, you stepped in the Holy of Holies and you hit the floor. You were done. And the bells stopped ringing. All right? So they knew, oop, we lost another one. Drag them out. So they'd drag you out by a rope. And then another priest would go offer sacrifices, try to make himself holy and righteous and blameless before the Lord. And he would go in to offer the incense in the Holy of Holies. And so it's Zechariah's turn. And while he goes in there, there's a long pause. You see, this passage is filled with waiting. 400 years of waiting. Folks, we don't even begin to understand what it means to wait on the Lord. All of us in here are now impatient, ready to leave because we've already heard the kids. We've already talked to the harpers and it's time to go. I'm wondering what lunch and the pastor has to know that it's like 10 till 12. And if we go past 12, I got some problems, okay? We are an impatient people. Can you imagine you 
are born, you live your life following Jesus and pray fervently all of your life, God, speak to us again. God, say something. God, send a prophet. God, we need to hear from you. God, we're desperate. And you live your whole life and die, and that prayer is never answered in your sight. You never have a prophet show up. You never have a special vision or angelic messenger or anything from the Lord. You've prayed and poured out your life for this prayer. And we think if we have to wait one week for God to respond that we have just been suffering. Oh, God, how could you do this to me? I haven't answered in like seven days. I sent you a text. You should have responded. I tweeted. It notifies you when you get tweets and likes on Facebook. Why haven't you been notified, Lord? Did you forget me, God? What? What? I'm still here. Please listen. I'm praying. I'm crying out. There are some of us among our church family who struggled with infertility and prayed for years, almost a decade. That's the kind of waiting we see in the Bible. Not only are they waiting for someone to speak, but as God is speaking, the people outside the temple are waiting impatiently, and they're beginning to think that maybe Zechariah is dead. That's how long they're waiting. That's why in verse 22 it says that they're waiting and they're anxious outside. Um, uh, <laughs> Zechariah was one of the good ones. I really didn't think that the Lord would drop him dead. I, I really thought he was going to do the job. I mean, they, the lot fell on him. It was, it was all good. I, he's been in there a long time. I mean, women, this is probably how you feel when your husband's in the bathroom. You know, it's just one of those things where you think, how long is he going to be in there? Something has got to give eventually, okay? They're waiting patiently, eagerly, anticipating, when is Zechariah coming out? The job should be done. He should be back out here by now. Little do they know that the same angel that visits Mary has visited Zechariah. And how much like Zechariah are we? We've been praying and begging for God to show up. And when he shows up, he says, guess what, Zechariah? Even though you're an old man, your wife's going to conceive and give birth to a baby. And that baby is going to be like Elijah. He's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. It's going to be awesome. And Zechariah goes, I'm kind of an old guy. I mean, how am I going to know that this is, this is right? That this is going to happen? What's the sign that you're going to give me, Gabriel? Did you see Gabriel's response? It's not a happy response. He says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God Almighty. I am here on specific mission from God. I am surrounded by light. You think you're about to die because I am here. You think that I'm God. And yet you're going to ask me, um, so what's the sign? Like, how are we going to know? I, I really want a baby, but, I mean, this is kind of a crazy thing you're saying here. It's hard to, hard to process. Hard to process. There's an angel in front of you. What do you need? And so the angel gives him a sign, but it's also a rebuke. The same Greek word can be understood as silent, as, as dumb, as in your tongue does not work. You are dumbfounded. But it's also the same word that can mean death. And many times it means both. If, if you look all the way forward to verse 62 in that same chapter, you'll see that when they're naming John, they have to make signs to Zechariah to communicate to him, which would imply that it's probable that he was both dumb and deaf. So he's dumb for multiple reasons, but primarily he can't talk, okay? He, he questioned the angel, and now he cannot talk. There's, there's a lot of irony in the fact that he's dumb, okay? Don't miss that. To be dumb means unable to talk, but we, we usually say dumb is stupid, right? You're with me? You're following? This is yes. This is no. This is let's get out of here, all right? You, all right? All right, we're good. 
Stay with me. All this waiting. And then when God shows up, God slaps him upside the head. And he goes, oh, I need a sign. How many of us have been begging and praying for a breakthrough for our children, for a breakthrough for our grandchildren? How many of us have been praying for deliverance, for God to provide, for God to show up, for God to heal, for God to do something? And then God shows up and says, here I am. And we go, well, are you really? I mean, you, you kind of look like you showed up, but I'm not really sure. Listen, this, this past week on Friday, my dad, he, he passed out while he was driving. And he, he swerved and he hit a telephone pole. And man, God was there. My dad travels all the time. All the time. He could have been in Albuquerque, New Mexico. That's where he was supposed to be tomorrow with nobody that he knows in a rental car. And yet God allowed for this to happen when he was in our hometown driving 30 miles an hour. The pole didn't even have a crack in it. Now, they took him to the hospital. They're trying to figure out why he's passing out. There might be something wrong with his heart. But they got him right to the hospital. They got him right to the doctors that needed to see him. The cardiologist that needed to be there still happened to be there and had not left for the day. And some of us see these issues that happen and we go, oh, woe is me, God. My father has passed out and had a wreck. He has heart problems. Oh, Father, how could you let this happen? And we miss that God has showed up. That we've been asking for God to move, and God is moving. He is teaching my dad something, and we're going to learn what that is, and we don't know. But my dad should be dead. He should have been driving 75 miles an hour down the interstate and passed out and killed somebody else and himself. But God said, Wayne, you're going to have this problem, but it's going to be while you're driving 25, 30 miles an hour. It's going to be right here a few miles from your house. Your son is going to be living with you at the time so he can help take care of your wife who's had a stroke and doesn't think clearly. Folks, God's hand was all over what happened on Friday. But so many times we're so wait, so we're waiting and expecting and looking for this specific way that God's going to show up. And if He doesn't show up in this way, then He didn't show up. Zechariah did that. We're begging for God to show up, but God's got to show up in this way. I've made this little box, and God's got to fit in my little box. And if He doesn't fit in my little box, I just, I just, I don't know. I just can't deal. I just can't even right now. And Zechariah is, is knocked to his feet, from his feet to his knees before the awesomeness of God and made dumb and deaf. And so he has to finish his time out as priest, signing to everybody, everybody signing to him. And then he doesn't receive his ability to speak and hear again until after he names his son. Months of this. And then he knows and understands. God's been at work this whole time. Folks, God is at work in your life. God is at work in our church. Do not lose hope and do not miss when He shows up and does something amazing. When 29 kids stand up here and sing the gospel to us, don't miss that God is at work, that the movement that you're praying for is happening right now, that there are students who are trusting in Jesus and growing deeper in their faith, There are people joining our church that the kingdom of God is growing, that missionaries are witnessing in foreign lands, that God is at work among us. And if you keep praying and you keep trusting, God will deliver. God will move. God will provide. But we have to be patient. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you will. Turn with me to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 3. This is where we'll end this morning. 2 Peter 
chapter 3. Just like Zechariah waited, just like the children of Israel waited, we are instructed in 2 Peter that time works just a little bit differently for the Lord. But he's never late. He's always on time. He gets where he wants to get when he wants to get there. 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. Beginning in verse 8. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards us, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought we to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the day of the coming of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Folks, no matter what your struggle, no matter where you are, you could be on the mountaintop, you could be, you know, on top of everything in your industry, everything in your home, everything could be perfect. Today you might come in here and you barely drug yourself in here. Regardless of where you are, all of us are waiting on the Lord. Some of us are waiting on deliverance. Some of us are taking care of loved ones who are sickly. Some of us are taking care of people who their mind is slipping away from them. Some of us have been doing that for years. Some of us are waiting on God to be who God is and show up and deliver in power. But that doesn't mean that other people are not waiting on God. All of us are waiting on the day. Waiting on the day. Patiently waiting on the day when the new heavens and the new earth are here and now. Righteousness dwells in them. It will come like a thief in the night. And the scripture tells us that we can be actively involved in hastening that day. Do you know how we can be actively involved in hastening that day? Share the gospel. Use that New Testament we gave you last week. Give it to somebody and say, hey, I highlighted some verses in here and they've made a huge difference in my life. Please read them when you have time. Have gospel conversations even though they're awkward. Listen, when we focus on the suffering and the destiny of other people, when we know that other people are bound for hell and that the day of the Lord is coming like a thief, it helps us through our trials and our struggles. It puts perspective in us that we are waiting for and hastening the day of the Lord coming. And so it makes us realize there are people that this is as good as it gets for them. This is as bad as it gets for believers. But for some people, this is as good as it gets. And when we're cognizant of that, when we're aware of that, when we're conscious of that, it makes our temporary, momentary suffering not even worth comparing with the weight of glory that is to come. That's how we wait. We wait patiently. We pray persistently, never giving up, never losing hope. Hebrews 13, 5, God tells us He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He's here with you. 
He's walking beside you. He's the one helping you take that next step when you think there's just no way I can move again. He will pick up your leg and push it forward. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. This morning, will you trust in Him and will you wait for Him? Wait eagerly, expecting His coming. Wait for Him to show up. And when He shows up, don't miss when He's at work and moving in our lives. Don't miss let us not be caught like Zechariah. Uh, I need a sign. Uh, just something. I'm not sure, Lord. Be eagerly expecting that God is about to show up. God is about to knock your socks off. And pray like it's about to happen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. Oh, God, we thank you. You are good your mercy endures for all eternity. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your son. You should have killed us, but you kept us. You should have scrapped us, but you redeemed us and entrusted us with a message of reconciliation. And God, we, we sometimes think that you're slow. God, I know in my own life, sometimes I'm, I'm a microwave Christian. I, I want it now. I want it five minutes ago. And I don't know how to wait. I don't know how to be patient. But Father, you tell us, just as we read this morning, you are not slow as we account slowness. You are right on time. You are coming. And you are coming again to redeem us, to make all things new. Help us, Lord, in this in-between time. Where we look back on your first arrival. Where we look forward to the day you come once again to take us to the new heavens and the new earth. Father, help us to be patient. Help us to wait. Help us to hasten the day of your return. God, help us not to lose heart. To continue to pray. To pour our hearts out before you. Knowing that you listen. Knowing that you're answering. Knowing that you're at work among us. Knowing that the deliverance, the healing, the provision that we need is on the way. Oh, God, we love you. Father, we need you. We pour our lives out for you. Would you move among us this morning? Father, for those who are in this room, who are waiting on your deliverance, would you please show up? For those in this room that are waiting, God, for you to provide, would you be their provider? God, for those in this room that are hurting, would you be their comforter and their healer? Lord, you know every need. Sometimes it feels like you're late, but I pray that you would show up and show up in power because your children need you. We ask that you would move during this time, Lord. We would respond to your Holy Spirit in obedience. We ask all these things in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Church, I invite you to stand. Jason's going to lead us in a song. I encourage you to sing. I also encourage you to respond to the Holy Spirit, whatever that looks like for you. Maybe you stand where you are and sing. Maybe you come down front. Maybe you want to come and say, I, I want to trust in Christ for the first time. Maybe you come and say, I want to join this church. If you're not comfortable coming now, we'll, we'll have a pastor available in the prayer room after the service is over. However the Spirit leads, will you sing? Will you respond to the Lord?
Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dear in the light of his Thank you so much for being here this morning. Thank you for worshiping. Thank you for your children. Those of you who have children in our children's ministry, thank you, Jason, for leading them so well. Thank you to all the volunteers that help out at 6 o'clock on Wednesday nights, because let me tell you, I've been through there. It gets kind of crazy, and uh, they do a wonderful, wonderful job. Folks, just don't miss out on all the wonderful things we have going on. All of them are in your bulletin. Please be sure you're looking through there, and uh, I do hope that you'll make plans next week to uh, come on Sunday afternoon between 2 and 5 and stop by the house. Jessica's been cleaning like crazy. She tells me I'm going to put Christmas lights out, and so the house is going to be open and welcome to anybody coming by, grabbing some snacks, and hanging out with us for a little bit, okay? I have no idea what this open house thing is. She says we're doing it, and I'm excited about it, all right? Hope you all are too. Good stuff. Let me pray for us, and then Jason will lead us in come, uh, what's the sign, what's the thing? Yeah, come let us adore him. That's, That's it. Let's pray. Father, would you please bless us and keep us? Would you make your face to shine upon us? Lord, would you turn your countenance towards us and grant us your mercy, your favor, and your peace? We ask all this in the name of Almighty God, our Father. 